Tony Hines, and you're listening to the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage. Great to be back here on the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage. Some great things coming up on the show for you, so stay tuned. Well, this week, I want to talk about volatility and in particular, volatile global supply chains. For the past 30 years or more, we've decided to offshore, nearshore, reshore, extra far shore, and every possible configuration you can think of to have goods produced in low-cost places that we could buy in and sell in higher-priced markets. And in a sense, we've devolved our responsibility for manufacturing in many cases, and we've managed supply chains as more of a service system than anything else. And we still need to think about managing supply chains as a service system. But perhaps the age of globalization as we knew it has just come to an end or is about to come to an end. At least that's what many commentators are talking about. Now, whether you believe that or not, there are signs that people have begun to search around for more local suppliers. And if not absolutely nearby, it's uh, near shore. And this makes sense with oil prices and transportation costs at a premium. And it also makes sense when you have a need for shorter lead times. As you know, capacity planning and cycle times are central to having effective supply chains. And so if you can reduce cycle times, that's either in procurement, production, distribution, or in the customer cycle in the sales period at the end, then if you can compress those times, you can save cost and it gives you the opportunity to be more flexible and more agile in the way you operate your supply chain. If we think of a simple trader with goods to resell through retail store or as a wholesaler onto other businesses, then those traders often compete on price and also the speed of service. And if those are the two measures that they're competing on, then clearly it's important that A, they keep their costs down and B, they're able to deliver to the customer when required. So there's two elements to that type of supply chain. One, you need to focus on cost. And two, you need to also ensure service delivery has to be on time and complete. You don't want holdups. You don't want delays. That cycle time has to be as short as possible. And that way you might win more business. And so if you think about that in a little more detail, then if you've got an extended global supply chain, say that your production is in China and it takes several weeks for the product or the component to be delivered by ship from China to the United Kingdom, then that's a six, seven week or more journey port to port. And if you have to encounter delays due maybe to the pandemic, so maybe a port closes like Shanghai has done recently, then of course 
that adds to the cost. And it could also end up losing you custom because you can't get those goods in time to satisfy your customer. Now let's go back a step. I'm talking about volatile global supply chains. And the word volatile is key here. What do I mean by volatile? Well, volatile suggests that there's something not quite certain. In other words, there's a lot of uncertainty around in the nature of supply. And if you've got a volatile global supply chain, that can be caused by all sorts of things. We've talked about the causes of this in the past. It could be a, an internal matter, something in the network, in the supply network that uh, has disrupted supply. It could be something as simple as a promotional campaign that's been really successful and drawn down supplies quickly through excess demand. Or it could be simply that there's a problem in a production plant somewhere or there's a problem in procuring material from a supplier that holds up the supply chain. Uh, rather like the microchip supplies for automotive vehicles with automotive manufacturers waiting months to get hold of the microchips that they need to complete the manufacture of cars or it could be the microchips for computer systems or for tablets or for phones. Lots of the new smartphones have been delayed because of problems with microchips in some cases. And if you get that kind of volatility in a supply chain, then it will cause all sorts of issues that you have to manage. And we've talked, and I always talk about visibility being the key and having some digital transformation programs in place so that you can obtain that visibility is very important for maintaining and gaining that visibility over your supply chain. Now, it's all very well having visibility over the supply chain, but if you can't have the goods from your current supply network, then the job is to get new suppliers. But getting new suppliers can take some considerable time because you have to find out where those suppliers are you have to find out whether they can meet the standards that you expect. And you have to, of course, negotiate and agree a contract that satisfies both the supplier and you as the buyer. Now, that's all quite time consuming. It can be done quickly, of course, more quickly than perhaps in the past with digital communication systems. But there's nothing that compares with actually visiting a supplier and visiting the plant that you can simply push into the digital stratosphere, as it were. I always think it's good to see things physically, certainly initially, while you're doing the negotiation. And of course, you have to build trust, all key components of the negotiating process. The types of volatility we're seeing in supply chains at present have been caused by external factors, so they're not within the supply chain themselves in many cases, but there are external factors such as the COVID-19 pandemic, the war in Ukraine with all the disruption that that's causing around the globe, and the higher energy prices, creating volatile financial markets, volatile commodity markets. That's all problematic for all types of business and the supply chains. So, those kind of externalities and the geopolitical nature of supply chains has been problematic for the past couple of years.
managing risk is key. The risk from volatility is great. So managing that volatile supply chain, keeping on top of the factors that are likely to cause disruption is important. Now, you can't always predict what's going to happen because it's unpredictable. And I talk about that in Predicting the Unpredictable, a past podcast. It's very difficult to know with certainty what's, what your supply chain is going to be like. And if you think about this risk, then what we're trying to do with risk is have some notion of the types of risk we face. And it's important for those managing supply chains to understand their own supply chain and the detail of it and where the likely vulnerabilities in that supply chain are likely to occur. Because you want to know what you can do. Are you flexible enough? Are you agile enough to move quickly to resolve an issue when it does arise? Now, you are going to be faced with difficulties in supply chains that are unpredictable and can't be quickly resolved. And then people rely on buffer stock. They hope they've got sufficient stock, sufficient inventories in the system to keep them going, to buy them time to fill the gap. And sometimes that works, but you can't hold enormous amounts of inventory because the capital you would tie up in that inventory could be simply too great. And it would damage, perhaps, the cash flow position of the organisation. So these things are interlinked and there's dependency in the system. I suppose dependency and interdependency. Different parts of the system can be broken down and you can take a look at the risk in those different parts and you can assess what you can do. Now, that's not always straightforward, but managing risk is what supply chain managers have to do. They have to look at those risks. Risks can be managed. Uncertainty can't really be managed. And that's where the volatility comes in. There might be an earthquake. There might be a volcano eruption, there might be a storm at sea, there might be a pandemic. There could be all sorts of natural disruptions that affect the best laid plans and the best systems in the world. And it's how you recover, how you bounce back, how resilient you can be to come back from that that's important. But if you develop a culture in the organisation where resilience is always part of your thinking, what happens if, when something happens, can you put it right? Can you do something else? Can you spring back? That's the way to think about recovering from an uncertain event. Now, it struck me recently when I was listening about conversations to do with the energy markets and the dependency that European countries have with supplies coming from Russia and how that's been disrupted by the war in Ukraine. But that seems strikingly obvious that if you've got too high a proportion of any source coming, of any proportion coming from a single source, it's something we learn about in Business 101, really, because we oughtn't to have our own destiny in the hands of somebody else. And this is where Not having all your eggs in one basket is really important. It's the mark of its portfolio theory, if you like, thinking about spreading that risk. And I suppose if we think about spreading the risk, it's quite simple. We oughtn't to be having any supplier supplying more than a certain percentage of our total supply. 
it ought to be spread quite carefully. And that goes for sources of energy too, not to be solely reliant on gas supply, but to spread again the risk by having different sources contribute towards the total energy usage. And this is why when we think about the drive for lowering carbon emissions and to move away from fossil fuel, it's actually simple and very important to establishing a future where uncertainty is minimised and the risk is also lowered in the process. We know that any monopoly earns excessive rents, in other words, excessive profit. And it's very easy for any monopoly, if you're the single supplier and you're the only supplier to a country or to an organisation, you can simply raise your price and they'll have to pay it if they want your supply because they can't get it elsewhere or there are limited choices in the case of oligopolistic competition which essentially is what the energy market is it's an oligopolistic marketplace at present so you have to remove that stranglehold on your business or on the economy by spreading risk One of the things I think that's uh, risen to the top of the agenda in the past few weeks, or perhaps in the last year or so, is that there appears to be little understanding of the types of risk involved in supply chains at a macro level and at a level in government when they're formulating policies about international trade and all sorts of things really. The vulnerability of food supply chains, energy supply chains, pharmaceutical supply chains and other types of supply chain have become apparently clear and the lack of understanding by policymakers and governments all around the globe is quite an eye-opener. And I think it's time for more business people and more people that understand the detail of what's happening to be involved in the decision-making processes if governments want to resolve these issues. Because it's what's clear is that governments don't know best. They might think they do, but they don't. When you listen to politicians speak or to policymakers who are advising governments talk about problems and issues in supply chains, one sometimes gets the notion that there's lots of complacency and a great deal of arrogance on the part of some of the people who are making policy. And they're not prepared to enter a dialogue with the people who might be able to help, but they do try and resolve the issues without any thought or involvement of stakeholders in a situation. And there's also often uh, an over-keenness to point the finger elsewhere away from government to protect position. And that's not good. There needs to be more open discussion and there needs to be more involvement of participants in discussion who know about these problems with an ability to advise on solutions that would work to resolve the issues.
it's an organizational level when we think about volatility in supply chains it's important that the whole team understands the risks and the possibilities that are available in addressing volatility in their organization and it's incumbent on the management to actually show some leadership by discussing with their teams the difficulties faced by an organization in volatile markets and having some understanding of the types of volatility alerts people to the risks and also helps them think about those risks and it may well be that those people in the teams are able to come up with ideas to resolve issues when they arise and contribute to the overall strategies that the organization can adopt. Volatility can occur at any stage in the supply chain. You might, for example, do a really good procurement deal and think that everything's going to be absolutely fine, but you later find out that there's a disruption at a second tier or third tier supplier that causes your great deal to experience volatile supply from the first tier supplier you've made that arrangement with. Now, you might say, obviously, there are things in the contract or there's insurances involved that might mitigate the risk for you. But of course, in an uncertain world, this type of thing can happen more frequently. So, for example, the example of the war in Ukraine, where supply is disrupted, the shortage of microchips, the shortage of minerals, the shortages of fuel, or a pandemic such as COVID can severely disrupt the best laid plans of mice and men, as they say. And I use the word men advisedly, as in the title of the novel. If we return to the opening segment of this podcast, the question was, do I think we're coming to the end of globalization as we knew it? Well, yes, on the one hand, I think we are. I think that the type of globalization where we've been able to freely move goods around the globe and source product from anywhere and everywhere and bring it to higher price markets where we could put it into products is probably at an end as we know it. But do I think globalization is dead? No is the answer because there are just some particular materials that we have to source from specific places, specific locations around the globe. Think of minerals, think of particular manufacturing skills and talents that are not available in certain parts of the world, then yes, we have to ensure that we get product from those areas. And you can think about agricultural products too. Particular crops are grown in particular countries. And so there is a geographical fixing to sourcing and supply that will never go away. It might move around, but it's always going to be there. And we're always going to want to source some products and some materials at distance. So I think it will just be more complex and it will be more difficult to manage. But I don't think we're going to go backwards 
to complete local supply. Are we always going to have volatile markets? Well, yes, is the answer. Volatility is something we have to live with, rather like pandemics. Worldviews determine how we think about supply chains. And for the past 30 years or more, this view has the notion that supply chains are global in nature. The editor of the Harvard Business Review, Joan Magretta, said that supply chains needed to be fast, global and entrepreneurial back in 1998, reflecting the then current thinking about supply chains. Previously, Kurt Lewin said that strategies get frozen in time until something changes the way we think about them, at which point we unfreeze our thinking, develop a new paradigm of how things work and refreeze until the next time something stimulates us to change our view of the world. I think you would agree that the world appears to change faster in the digital age. However, we might consider a caveat from Plato, yes, that ancient Greek philosopher, who talked about universal truth existing beyond the realm of appearance. The world that most of us inhabit on a daily basis is the one of appearance. People are social animals, and the need to connect, relate, and trade is necessary for survival and growth. There will continue to be an interest in trading globally, now the patterns of world trade have developed and been established over centuries. The nature of that trade will remain, even if the geography shifts. Global shifts are continuous phenomena. Time, money and need will determine the nature of global supply and demand. The forces of economics prevail and shape world trade. As long as this universal characteristic is prevalent, so too will global supply chains remain. The paradigm may shift, as Thomas Kuhn acknowledged, but the essence remains, as Plato noted. Changing the paradigm is more difficult than you might think. Change, of course, is a process. It's not an event. And how far that change will go remains to be seen. And how fast it happens also remains to be seen. <laughs> Consumer Price Index year-on-year, year, it's 7% in the United Kingdom in March, and it's 8% in the United States. It's driven, of course, by food prices, transportation, energy costs. The price of crude oil is about 115 US dollars per barrel. Well, that's it for this edition of the Chain Reaction Podcast. If you've enjoyed the show, don't keep it a secret. Tell your colleagues, tell your friends. We're the best-kept secret about supply chains. Stay up to date, stay informed. Listen to the number one supply chain podcast, all about supply chain advantage. Well, that's it for this week. I hope you've enjoyed the show. I'm Tony Hines. I'm signing off. I'll see you next time. Bye for now. Listening to the Chain Reaction Podcast, written, presented, and produced by Tony Hines. Hi, I'm Tony Hines. I'm here to tell you about the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage. 
I've been researching and writing about supply chains for over 25 years. I wrote my first book on supply chain strategies in the early 2000s. Each week we have special episodes on particular topics relating to supply chains and we have a weekly news roundup every Saturday at 12 noon. All things impacting global supply chains in that week. So come and join us on the Chain Reaction Podcast. I look forward to seeing you there. I'm Tony Hines. I'm signing off. Bye for now.